Okay, so we are back finally after <laughs> how long? It's been uh, about uh, six months? weeks, <laughs> something like that. It's definitely been a while. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I'm here with uh, Sarah, of course, and uh, Michael. Obviously, we're all the team's all back That's together good. for the review of Stranger Things season two, episode six, The Spy. So anyway, since it's the first time we've all been together on this uh, podcast, you know, Mike, how was your holidays? How is the new year treating you? Oh, pretty good. Um, I've been either sick or traveling for most of it. So. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I, that's why this is so late, right? <laughs> yeah. Got the plague twice. My husband got it once and now he's on round two of sickness as well. It's just like, what the hell? This has been, been like the worst flu season. Puking up baby demogorgons. <laughs> all just all break. I yeah. hope your cats haven't gone missing. Oh no, I didn't check. <laughs> uh, no, no, she's still there. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it was bad. Um, uh, I was sick too. And, and again, that the reason why we haven't had any of these uh, episodes out lately is uh, we had planned on doing one in mid-December and uh, I think we had to, I think we had to cancel it for some reason. And then the holidays happened. Of course, we got sick. Sarah's been sick twice and uh, you know, it's just that time of the season. That's what happens. Everyone gets sick and you know, no one likes to hear hacking and coughing on a podcast. So rather <laughs> than subject you to all of that, we decided, Hey, let's just, you know, take a few weeks off, make sure everybody was healthy, and then finally, we'd all be ready to go. Yeah, what more do you want from us? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Right? <laughs> expectations Mon- are too you high. monsters. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's like, um, you know, you, you can only extract so much uh, blood from the stone, so uh, we are here. None. You can get none from a stone. They do not bleed. I don't know. I beg to differ. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen bleeding stones before. Yeah, those those fish that look like rocks, they count, Kidney right? Stones do not count. <laughs> <laughs> mm, oh, depends sorry. on who's passing them. <laughs> Fair uh, enough. <laughs> well, we are here again. It's going to be The Spy, episode six. And uh, it was directed by Andrew Stanton and written by Kate Trefai. Trefai and... Uh, it's a, it's a good episode. I think we all agree that, uh, this is probably one of the best episodes of season two. This is my favorite episode of season two. Nope. Okay. Really? Yeah. I, I love this episode. I mean, the, the acting from Will, it's just blows my mind. This kid is so talented and I don't know, like, I like the pacing in this. I like the relationship that develops between Dustin and, um, Steve and then they kind of finally cut the bullshit with Nancy and Jonathan. Like, I just, I like it all. I guess this does have all that good, uh, the best Dustin and Steve kind of moments in it. I forgot yes. about that. <laughs> I guess Daddy Steve. <laughs> I, I, I remember when I first watched this, I kind of thought this was the second to last episode. I kind of, I missed the number count. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this, there's still two more. This felt yeah. like a, penultimate uh episode it felt really totally very climactic yeah 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 but then we won't get into it 
but the episode the episode to follow is just like what coming after that dumpster fire (laughs) said it in the first said it in the first episode i've been waiting (laughs) there's this beautiful climactic build and then it's like okay (laughs) meanwhile yeah (laughs) well yeah it's not fun well let me ask you uh, i'm gonna go around the table here and i just want to get your thoughts what are your your broad thoughts uh, opinion on this episode sarah obviously you, you think it's the best uh, episode of season two right uh at yes. least so far correct or are you talking about the entire season as a the whole? entire season as a whole wow okay gee whiz um <laughs> yeah so uh, sarah why is this the best episode i guess of season two I think I, I just like the build in this. Like, Max finally becomes a part of their group. She's finally in the loop. You know, we get this kind of just build up of everything that's kind of been happening so far. Um, I like with the Dustin and Steve's finally got a different role than being Nancy's cast off. We can like him for a different reason. Like, you know, we all liked Steve. He was fine. We all thought he would probably disappear this season, but he kind of sticks around. And this is like the episode where he finally gets a new purpose. And then Nancy and Jonathan finally actually having <laughs> coming to terms with their own <laughs> like sheltered love for each other. I, don't know, I like it all. And having the more Demogorgons is always nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Um, I think this is the episode where Steve became like everybody's favorite character, yes. <laughs> which is a huge contrast to last season. Yeah, exactly. At the end of last season, everyone's like, oh, "How dare she pick him over Jonathan? What a piece of shit!" <laughs> now you're kind of like coming around too, aren't you? Like, oh man, maybe maybe it's actually Steve she deserves to be with, or at least you know maybe she should go back. That dude now, she had no chemistry now I, with. Now I think that Steve deserves better than Nancy. <laughs> I 1,000% agree. She's <laughs> bullshit. Right. Yeah, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> it's so um, hard to watch her trying to be drunk. Which the funny thing is, um, in real life, the actress Natalie Dyer is is dating Charlie Heaton, um, who plays Jonathan. Oh, so. Of course goodness. they are. Of course they are. <laughs> They should be. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just pretty interesting. Uh, I thought you say in real life she's an alcoholic, and I was like, oh, well, geez. <laughs> I That's like a dark turn. Like in real life, she actually got stupid drunk for that. And I'll be like, I'd, okay. I'd believe it. <laughs> I mean, well, then, of course, you have Charlie, who's, you know, got his own, you know, well, he's turned into like a cocaine cowboy, so... You know, we have to deal with that. Uh, with uh, you know, they're gonna you be like Bonnie and cladding it up. <laughs> when you can't come into the U.S. Uh, because you're caught with cocaine. Uh, Was he really? Yeah, that that's why. Um, uh, what was it? They were supposed to come. To, there was some awards thing. A couple. Oh of my months god! Ago. I thought you were just joking. Holy shit! No, it wasn't a joke. We were, it was actually. Oh, since sick. when? Since when do we let celebrities not get away with copious amounts of cocaine? <laughs> right. <I> know, right. <laughs> like really, we draw the lines. Like you know, it's the Stranger Things guy. Let's make an example of him. Well, I, I think what it was is because I, I don't know. 
I guess how how dumb would you be to to be trying to pull cocaine and throw it in your your bag and not expect somebody to find it? You know, and I thought I'm a I'm a celebrity now. I got Netflix money. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he does not look as cute off screen as he is on screen. Uh, he, he's in he a band, cool. right? So it doesn't matter because the moment you're in a band, your cool factor just goes up by like thirty percent. I imagine they would arrest him for not having cocaine. Because <laughs> yeah, because he's a he's like, a musician, right? It's necessary. Yeah, you gotta have cocaine. What's wrong with you? Get out of my country, poser. They gotta use like a widening lens on him because he's like super gaunt and skinny in real life. What the hell? Yeah, I think it's the costume, the clothes they put on him probably makes him look Must a little. Be. Yeah. Well, it it's all the co- it's all the cocaine that he's ingesting. That, that's why. Right. Uh, yeah, that'll do it. Hookers and blow, man. Uh, <laughs> that's what he's surviving on. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, allegedly, you, you, don't sue us. <laughs> you talk about. Uh, how they should arrest him if he didn't have cocaine, right? Because he's a musician, right? <laughs> right. I guess it's, it's kind of like um, if you're an author, you must have at least two or three bottles of whiskey or or your preferred alcohol. Oh God, yeah. It's when I teach English. I mean, that's I I tell the kids start on your scotch now, kids. Otherwise, your <laughs> reading's gonna be shit. <laughs> yeah, no junk, no soul. True. You that's know. the that's the uh, subtitle of Stranger Things season three. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Okay. Kids are well, growing up. We probably should jump into the actual episode here, rather <laughs> yeah. than destroying Charlie Heaton for his <laughs> cocaine of habits. Allegations against all the cast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so we're gonna do this like we've been doing, just about every episode now, and certainly the last several, um, and especially with all the characters kind of coming together. Now that now we have groups that are starting to come together and it makes things a lot easier from the standpoint of us doing reviews. Cause instead of having like, you know, to, to kind of follow the kids thread and then the Hopper thread and then the Joyce thread. And, and you know, you have like eight different storylines you have to cover per episode um, with so many people together. Now it makes it a lot easier because it is. It's we have like what uh, Nancy, Jonathan, that's a thread. Joyce, Will, Bob, Mike, and Hopper, that's a thread. Dustin, Steve, Lucas, and Max. And where's eleven? Yeah, Steve and Dustin on the tracks. Um, but that that kind of yeah that that's with that storyline. And that's then Lucas, yeah. And we only see like eleven for a split second when she's listening to the radio with her mind. But that's it. That's it. I thought she was off in a less good episode. Yeah. She is approaching a less good episode. Yeah. Sorry. We're getting Sorry, there. I'm... We're getting there. Okay. I know. We're already shaming the next so episode. So mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Next next week will be interesting. We're going to have to have vodka. Before Tumblr said it was cool. I hate <laughs> it. Ah, uh, Tumblr. Yeah, we're going to have to have vodka for the next episode. You that, that, that's painful. <laughs> No watering down that vodka, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's uh, let's jump into the first, uh, probably the the main crux of this episode, I guess, to a degree, is the Joyce, Will, Bob, Mike, and Hopper storyline. 
so after the end of the last episode, right, that's when Will collapsed in agony, which, again, amazing acting there because yes, the way seriously. he did that was unsettling. I kind of I wonder if they just like actually just tased him. Oh, you think they like attached and just like like hit him with uh, the high voltage and just Worst watch him drop? things have been done to child actors. <laughs> Are you advocating for the torture of children? No, I'm saying I'm 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 bringing awareness to it. I'm bringing awareness to the to the torture of children. <laughs> well, at least at least you're doing that. It's I applaud you. Yes. Thank you. Here, please sign this document. You know, we're just it's just for a schedule change. Signs away her son's ability to be tasered. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Will gets rushed into the Hawkins laboratory after the events of the last episode where he collapsed. So uh, he's screaming, right? He's in agony. It, it hurts everywhere. Now, Joyce is obviously angry, right? He's She's been telling the doctors for a while now something's wrong. They didn't believe him. Will's been saying, hey, this is going on. They wasn't they weren't believing them. And uh now they obviously they can't dismiss the claim. Obviously something is going on. So Hopper is being hosed down, right? Because he was pulled out of uh the underneath whatever you want to call it, the, the caverns, the tunnels. Um, the downside up. The, the downside up. <laughs> Yes, um, exactly. So he's sick. He's he's recovering. He's <laughs> he's not doing great. Uh, and Doctor Owens takes him down beneath the lab, and it turns out that the opening has grown significantly, and now it's been growing beneath the surface of Hawkins. It's like a cancer. So that at the beginning of the season, we kept seeing them, you know, burning, doing these burnings, you know, and they do it every single day. So you're just thinking, okay, this thing's growing back when in fact it's actually growing beneath. So this thing, it goes down forever. It is, it's pretty frightening. I got to say, when I saw that scene, I was surprised at how huge this thing got. So yeah, my first thoughts, like y'all are doomed. (laughs) Like you guys are done. Just throw in the towel now. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, what do we think of this? The first few scenes here with bringing Will in. Joyce is obviously angry, which that's like Joyce. That's like Joyce's superpower: anger. Um, and she's so good at mom anger. Yeah, which is funny because Winona Ryder isn't a mom; you know, she has no kids. So the fact that she's kind of able to tap into this parental anger is pretty impressive, actually. But it's pretty uh, cool. It's. Yeah. It's nice to see her kind of go for it, it. It's it's similar enough to the first season that it's familiar, but it's nice to, that it's not just more her raving and seeming seeming crazy. crazy. Now now yeah. it's more of a directed anger, um, and it's really it's nice it's nice to see that to see that. Um, I kept thinking of um, it's a bit et, isn't it? Oh yeah. All this stuff with Will. There's so many like ET references in Stranger Things. And I, I mean, I, I kind of hate ET. I hated that movie, but especially oh, because of the scenes me. like this. 
<laughs> like bothered me as a kid and yeah. it like and he's such a thin kid yeah god can he act like his just screaming and especially like the last episode at the very end when he pain from the know? burn how like you- i cannot recognize him i watched that over and over again and it just does not look like him he oh kudos to noah schnapp <laughs> yeah well, it, it's an impressive. It's impressive his uh, acting in this entire season, and it makes his casting that much more impressive because obviously they knew he had talent. I mean, all the kids are, are great, um, but right. Still, we didn't get to see very much of him. What little he did last season was was good, but there's a obviously a big difference between what he did last season and what he did this season, just the amount of screen time he had. And it's one thing to just go in there and be the character, but he really knocks out of the park. A lot of scenes this season where he's required to really act his butt off. Right. And he just nails some of the, like the hardest scenes out of the, any of the actors may or adult or kid do this season come from him and it requires just such a high level of talent to do that i mean we're not even done with the season yet and i could probably name 10 scenes that he's done this season which have been exceptionally impressive it just yeah he's my mind he's probably got the tallest order that they give him out of all of the actors maybe maybe next to like 11 yeah but he but that's a big challenge and he comes out like on top he's he's great yeah Yeah, and like who would have thought like we barely saw him last season let alone see him be able to like flex his acting muscles very much and this season just comes out so winging i mean it's hard for a grown actor to be able to portray like a lot of pain it always kind of looks a little fake but this kid, I mean, he's showing extraordinary pain, and it's so realistic. Yeah, it's it's really good. Okay, totally. so, uh, all right, so we have uh, Joyce, right? Uh, she she fills Bob in on what's wow. really going on. She she actually pulls him aside, and says, "Ah, oh, by the way, you know, my kid actually was taken uh, last year." So everything that you've heard, it's just a lie. It's what we have to say. Big cover up. This is what's really going on. They're gonna make you sign a bunch of papers. And I gotta admit, Bob, being Bob, takes it pretty well. I, th- I thought he might freak out a little bit. Of course he did. This is just like that time his best friend had to throw a ring into Mordor. It's like the same <laughs> damn thing. He's <laughs> like, I go on an adventure like every couple of years. Come on. <laughs> Like, rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, look, this is nothing compared to Mordor, all right? I had to fight Gollum. Not fun. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I was the, I was the true hero of that story. And also, I had to find One-Eyed Willie's treasure and win the championship for Notre Dame. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of Sean Astin movies at the top of my head. <laughs> and I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you kind of hit the big ones, actually. <laughs> I know, I'd rather else in the Aston verse, but I haven't. Astonverse. I haven't gotten to it. I'd rather face Gollum than seven Demogorgons. So. 
Uh, you know sure. what? I agree. Yes. You could probably take Gollum. I don't yeah. know, but the, but the Fratellis from the Goonies, I don't know. They were about to kill some children. <laughs> Fair point. So. Yeah. All right. Well, so we digress. <laughs> yeah, do it. Uh, we digress. So uh, Will wakes up, but he doesn't recognize anybody. Uh, he he does eventually. I mean, he does recognize, I think, what? He recognizes. Uh, Mike, Mike and Joyce, he does. Yeah. He's living in Sarah's personal heaven because he can't remember who Sean Astin is. <laughs> and I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> no one uh, likes you. Go out of the room. <laughs> but I think he. Like him. <laughs> I think he remembers Joyce and Will, not just because he can remember like that far back of them, but because I think that's who he's had the interactions with since the monster took over or yeah. became a part of him. That's a good way to look at it. Or because he knew them before being taken into the upside down of being put in a weird cocoon thing. Yeah. Because I think like I can... They never really say it, but I think right at that moment, the monster is in the majority of control of his body. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, in the in this episode, or you mean when he's like talking with Mike and Joyce? When the doctors are talking to him and asking him questions when he's woken up. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Absolutely! Yeah. Absolutely! Like I think they must use contact some of that because his eyes are just like a little bit darker, more black. And good acting on him again because he's so stoned face. He's spooky. Seriously. He's got like, like a, a, a poltergeist thing happening there. I, yes. I don't know. I, uh. He could just like turn his head all the way around and <laughs> he'd be like, they're yeah. here. <laughs> and it would or, be the uh, most creepiest yeah. thing. Yeah, he's a great actor, but um, there is something a little, a little creepy there. Like a really creepy Very. possessed kid vibe. You know? Yeah, like something that's, you know, looks human, but doesn't act human. I think <laughs> they have like a well. weird lens on him or something. Because he yeah. does, yeah, he's weird looking Yeah, in that scene. Completely. Yeah. It's either really good acting or like a very hint of special effects that you don't really pick up on, but it just kind of gives it an eerie quality. Yeah. One Man, or the other. No yeah, it's possible. Um, all right, so um, Doctor Owens, he you know checks Will out. Like you said, Sarah remembers uh, Joyce and, or Mike and his mom, but nobody else. So what they do is they they torch one of the slugs, and it hurts him. All right, and, and they he, don't stop. Like yeah, the guy with going. the blowtorch is an asshole. Yeah, they, they he's supposed going. to be more that good acting. I guess. <laughs> like, I'm really going to bring it out and you get <laughs> So, uh, Dr. Owens determines that there is a hive mind at work, that Will is connected to the other thing, the creatures, the upside down, etc. Uh, the other doctors think, however, that Will should just die. Like, they don't care. Like, they see They're him so as... so empathetic. Well, they see him as collateral damage, really. I mean, to them, the biggest thing is, is getting rid of the, the growth uh confronting that challenge the death of a little kid in the grand scheme of things to them means very little so it's just uh, lovely yeah heartless bastards uh will uh will thinks he knows what the shadow creature is planning he's talking to mike you know he says hey look 
Uh, I think I know what's going on here. So he shows Dr. Owens where he thinks it's hiding. It's beneath Hawkins. So they, this whole team gets together, you know, it, and it's straight out of Aliens, the movie Aliens, the sequel to Alien, uh, the 1986 Jim Cameron, you know, space action uh, the, classic. The, the better one. Yeah. Um, so they get this whole team gets together. They go down, you know, beneath the tunnels there. And that's when the Demodogs attack. They come from all directions, just like in Aliens, where the aliens kind of come in all directions and completely annihilate this entire team. They're they're dead within a minute, probably. Um, yeah, it is oh. kind of it's terrifying. It's a it's 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 a it's a massacre. It's yeah. They are they are cannon fodder. They are there <laughs> to die. They are the red shirts. Yes, uh, the the one, yeah, like, uh, and it's funny because they're they're guys that had been there in previous episodes. They're not just brought on for this one. Like they gave them tiny little mini scenes. Yeah, yeah like little yeah. arcs. Yeah, like yeah, like I mean the tiniest tiniest little bit, but you know still they were there. Yeah, and you start to feel like. Uh, the first season made this organization feel very like, it, which you had to do because they have a eleven like killing all these guys, but they felt very soulless and very evil, and that's why I like the Doctor Owens character a lot, especially his you know the whole thing with the board members. Um, yeah, because he's like, um, no, this is a child. He's the only voice of reason like, in that place. No, that's no. This what is wrong with you? Like he's he's very human, and Paul Reiser does such a good job with that. And like this scene, I if this were last season, I'd have been like, "Ha, they deserve that." Mm-hmm. In this one, I'm kind of like, "Oh, okay, that's that's some dude's cousin or something." I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, no I kidding. think they they do a good job with that. They they've added, I think, humanity to some of mm-hmm. the the soldiers and the people that work there. They're I mean, obviously, of the scientists, which they more or less kind of seem soulless, I, I guess. They don't really have too many redeeming qualities. But you do get a little more shading as opposed to last season with Brenner and company. It just really, really bad guys. Kill them all, especially the blonde lady because she's just evil. And She was uh, as bad as Brenner. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Freaking blonde lady. Uh, but Mike, of course, realizes that this is all a trap. There comes a point where he just it like light bulb in his head. He rushes, you know, to get them to retreat. Can't get through the soldiers. At by that point, it's too late anyway. Yeah, they, maybe the, if they had let him through, maybe they could have survived. But <laughs> nope. Even even the kind of shitty scientist guy got eaten. Well, we have to remember something else, too. This was actually mentioned as a possibility a few episodes back. Remember um, the Halloween episode? I think that was it. Yeah. Um, where Will said, you know, what if he or the, the creature, uh, the Mind Flayer, uses me? What if he spies on us through me? And Mike's like, oh, no, it won't happen. That, nah, nah, nah. It, but, like we're all like, oh, no, it's going to happen. Yeah. And it did. It did. And unfortunately, yeah, and I like that they didn't say like 
you know, Will doesn't say I had no control over it or he made me do it. It's, I forget how he put it, but he put that, like, he was so scared that he did it because he was so terrified of the mind flare. Yeah. So it's not even like he's completely innocent in this. He made a choice about this. Well, you can't blame him for it, but I like that they went that route. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, th- I think it's uh, it's well done. Yeah, good writing. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to Nancy and Jonathan. <laughs> Fun times. So I love this guy, Murray. Murray, yeah. Uh, the actor who plays him, and I don't uh, have not this... Paul Giamatti, but kind <laughs> of. He kind of does He's remind me of Paul Giamatti. There's a um, a TV show Gucci. on Amazon Prime. I don't know if either of you have watched it. It's called Fleabag. No, but you've mentioned this to me. It is one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. <laughs> um, it is brilliant. Truly brilliant. Anyway, he's on that show, and he's great. He's so good. Um, anyway, uh, it, John... Or, uh, Murray's great. Uh, like him here. The character is just, you know, eccentric, um, funny. He's I'm surprised just... how much I ended up like genuinely liking him. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Because in his first appearance, I was like, oh, this guy. Uh, the conspiracy guy, right? The guy that's just yeah, he... oh, one of these annoying people. Yeah, one one of one of these guys that's in everything. Yeah. yeah, and it's like he turns out like the way in the first season how the teacher was kind of like this sub character that's kind of everyone's favorite. In this season, he's kind of that sub character that's everyone's favorite. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, the helpful, knowledgeable adult figure. Speaking of in everything, so is this actor apparently just kind of he's just he just pops up everywhere. Oh yeah, like his up, IMD. I- is so new, oh, he was in the he's in the new Twin Peaks. And yep, like everyone else in the world. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> but yeah, he was he's very very good in this. All right, so yeah. uh, Nancy, Jonathan, and Murray—they're you know putting all these copies together. They're sending out these copies to the press. So they've got all these envelopes. They put copies in there, all the relevant information. They send them out. Uh, then Murray cuts through Nancy and Jonathan's story about only being friends by basically, basically like laying out for both us and the audience uh, what the, what's going on between them. So rather than find like a way to get them together by choice, it feels a little bit like to me that this is almost being rushed for the for the sake of convenience here. You know, like I feel like given that there are an, uh, episode six of the season and there's nine episodes they've got to get you, this storyline taken care of do and, you think this was an ass pull because people didn't like the end of the first season in regards to them because this whole scene seems kind of uh, this whole bit seems kind of like it's there to just pacify everyone that was mad about that and be like okay we're sorry we we, we, we fucked up. I'm sorry. Here you go. Stop crying. <laughs> well, I, I think that might be a little bit of, of the reason. I think, look, this whole storyline is is for the, the Barb storyline. This is, we knew this was coming. 
this whole storyline about justice for for Barb. Um, that also I felt like was an ass pull because people criticized it. Yeah. And that's why I felt like this bit, it's done brilliantly. It's super rushed, but it's rushed in a, in a way that's like, okay, cool. We're back where we kind of wanted it to be for the first season. Right. I think, I think that uh, this was never planned. You know, this whole oh, thing. I absolutely. actually think that they probably had something else in mind for, for Nancy and Jonathan, you know, for this season before the whole um, justice for Barb thing happened. So I like how this turned out. I like what they did here. I just don't think that it was ever supposed to be this way. Um, but as for like the whole like friends thing and then the kind of or only being friends thing that Murray brings up and how it's a big joke and all that. Eh, I don't know. It, it works here, I guess, as well as it can. But I just felt like this was a, bit rushed like we got to this this episode and they're like look considering everything that's going on and what we have left to do we don't have time to wait any longer this episode is where jonathan and nancy are getting together (laughs) and i don't know about you but there's no way in hell even if it's in a moment of passion would i have sex in the most conspiratorial guy's house because you know He's Every single room. Yeah, cameras everywhere. or audio bugs everywhere. <laughs> like, there's no way. And I mean, they, I mean, they're like, they got to be like 80s cameras, too, where you can hear them working. Right? <laughs> you just like, they start having sex and you just hear. It's the air conditioner. I'm asleep. <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, Don't mind the man behind the, the uh, curtain. <laughs> You just see, like, a camera peeking out through the curtain. <laughs> Winding a Super 8. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> so um, one of the things I wanted to, to talk about here about this whole thing was that one of the criticisms I guess I have about this whole thing is that it, despite the fact that they barely know each other at all, they've only known each other for a few hours. And don't get me wrong. I think Murray as a character is uh, brilliant, and I think that he's definitely perceptive, given what his line of work is. He needs to be. But despite all that, I just thought that he seemed to be a little too sharp. Like he seemed to hone in a little too easily and accurately their exact situation. You know, like oh come on, you guys totally give off the you know, boyfriend, girlfriend vibe. Uh, I don't believe you guys aren't, aren't together. You know, it's like, he's like clairvoyant here in this, he read this the scene. script. His character read the script. <laughs> yeah. It was like, all right, I'm just going to cut this down. Uh, it looks like we got to get point A, point B. I, it, it kind of supports that whole, this is kind of an ass pull. <laughs> I don't mind it because it's delivered very well and he's very funny and likable, but it's rushed. You know, I can believe the stuff like he'd be able to see the tension and what whatnot between Jonathan and um, Nancy, but I don't buy the quick assumption of knowing that she only likes Steve. She doesn't love Steve, and that was a little too like on the nose. Like, uh, okay, like, you, don't, you don't even know the sub guy, right? 
<laughs> right. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like he's never met Steve and yet he's commenting on Steve like he knows the facts. Yeah, like he's seen their whole relationship. Right. So that's he that's kind of first season. <laughs> I guess he did. Yeah. Uh all right, so we actually have a, the clip here of uh, Murray pushing Nancy and Jonathan together. So we're going to play that and uh, we'll talk about it. Could I use the sofa? Okay, I'm confused. What's going on here? Lovers quarrel? No, no, I mean, we're just friends. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> You've told me a lot of shockers today, but that... That is the first lie. It's not a lie. No, you're young, attractive, you've got chemistry, history, plus the real shit, shared trauma. Trust issues, am I right? Something to do with your dad. What? No, no, I mean, my dad's- uh, An asshole. Mm. It is a curse to see so clearly. You, you're harder to read. Probably, like everyone, afraid of what would happen if you accepted yourself for who you really are and retreated back to the safety of name. Name. Steve. Oh, Steve. We like Steve. Yes. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. What? No, we, I mean, I, I do. There it is. Ladies and germs, the second lie of the evening. So, how'd I do? <laughs> My goodness, you two are adorable, aren't you? Listen, there's a pull-out sofa in my study if you want it. But if I were you, I'd just cut the bullshit and share the damn bed. Okay, so... Yeah, exactly. I mean, as you can see from the audio here, it's just, it's ridiculous. He's like, eh, I'm going to bed now, so if you guys uh, you know, do whatever, have fun. <laughs> like, okay, There's okay. a little bit of a creep in this scene. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like, who, I don't care if this is the 80s, who meets two teenagers and says, yeah, I'm going to go to bed now, but if you guys want to really do it, just, I'm okay with that, whatever. Um, you the know. bearded man with the Ted Bundy glasses <laughs> living in the like shack or like side of a building with all his his newspaper clippings and stuff. He's this guy's got to be on some wanted posters. <laughs> yeah, and probably the main suspect in a few uh, kids on milk cartons. <laughs> I, I, I was shocked. I'm shocked. I'd be shocked if they hadn't brought him in immediately after Will went missing the first time. <laughs> like, what do you know? Nothing. And then he does this. He pulls this shit. <laughs> yep. I actually, in his bathrobe. Gotta love that bathrobe. <laughs> I tell you what. I think. Uh, I think Murray and Ted Wheeler. I think they team up on the weekends. I, I think oh. there's more than a few, you know, dead hookers uh, somewhere. The, the darkest things. Yeah, right next to the chilled vodka is like a hand. <laughs> Darkest joke we could have gone with. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Jump off the diving board and go right to dead hookers. Stranger <laughs> Things by David Lynch. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, hey, I just we all I, know it's not far from the truth. <laughs> look, there, nobody can convince me that Ted Wheeler isn't a psychopath. I think I think actually Ted Wheeler is Ted Bundy. Just saying. Uh, I would see him be more John Wayne Gacy in hiding teenage boys under floorboards. I think Ted Bundy would definitely be more Murray. Okay, that works for me. <laughs> All right, I, I'm creeped out either way. Could you see? Imagine Ted Wheeler dressing up as a clown and entertaining children. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, my nightmares. Yeah, that works. Mike, Mike won't like that. I saw him in that It movie. He does not care for clowns. No, he does not. Yeah, he won't. He won't like. Oh, that. really? You don't like clowns? He won't like Ted, his dad, dressing up like a clown. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking Finn about Wo- Finn Wolfhard. Who plays Mike at the yeah, We got to get better, different names. <laughs> so many mics. Triple mic team. All right. So, uh, it's, it's, let's move on here. So, after some 30s style comedy situations, which is the only thing I can describe it as, uh, Nancy and Jonathan finally sleep together. They sleep together. It's like they have this thing, you know, you see it in movies all the time, especially like, like 90s romantic comedies like okay one person will come up to the door of the other's uh, room and then they'll tiptoe down the hallway thinking that they're not awake and then the other person will wake up and open up the door just as they close their door and you know it's like these two go back and forth and it like whatever <laughs> i'm, I'm what pretty it? sure that they did this same goof in a very brady sequel exactly like, that's what I'm the saying. Brady, but yeah. th- that's all I get. Yeah, like I'm, I'm right there with you because that's all I could think about was the scene from the freaking the Brady Bunch sequel when they share the attic. It's it's the same scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. call back to the times. <laughs> Brady except Bunch. Like ten year, except like ten years later, this is the '90s movie, but still. I don't creepy. know these things. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's it's worth a watch. <laughs> All right, so um, the next morning, after a strenuous uh, night together, uh, <laughs> uh, they're all you know eating breakfast, and Murray says, "So, Jonathan, how was the pullout?" I will he say, knows. despite everything that had come before in the last like few minutes, hilarious. That was that was great. I and cre- and creepy. It, I mean, it was yeah. creepy. Because you know he's been watching them on cameras all night long. <laughs> yeah, it's still creepy. <laughs> I mean, okay, so he's sitting there at night watching the cameras. I don't even want to know what he's doing, okay? I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> uh, Eating just... people, I assume, like popcorn. We're going to get emails like, you know, this is a nice show. Stop ruining it with your this horrible This is a nice thoughts. show about child murder. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you spit it that way. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving, moving forward. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so they, they, um, they play the tape. Or no. Wait, what actually I'm trying to think what happens after this. Oh, I know, I remember. They, so they get done they get done with the the breakfast thing and then Murray 
gives them a bottle of alcohol, right? Yeah. And he vodka says, and something to water it down. Right. Tells him, get the hell out of my house. <laughs> yeah. Super rude. Like, never come back here. Smack. Yeah, I got my tapes. So <laughs> what they say is, okay, they Murray goes on this thing about making the the truth easier to handle, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, more palatable. Uh, the public buys it because it's just close enough to the truth without being the truth. So, they, um, I think this is around the time they leave, right? Because I'm trying to remember here. I think they leave. Yes. Because it's time to go. Murray says, don't ever call, don't ever write, don't ever return. See you later. Slam. End of story. Like, right. I have what I want from you. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. I extracted everything of value from you guys. Now get out of here. All right. So let's move on to Dustin, Steve, Lucas, and Max. So first off, I want to say Hammer to Fall by Queen. Uh, playing uh, over the scene. Fantastic. Love it. Good job. Great choice. <laughs> um, so Steve and Dustin are you know, heading back to Dustin's house. Steve heads down to the basement uh, and finds the skin, the shredded skin of Dart, because Dart has decided to grow larger. And more than that, he has escaped. He's ripped through the wall. And yeah, now they have to go find him. He got fed after midnight. <laughs> yeah. Gizmo turned into a gremlin. Right, so, and then he's uh, going to go find more cats to eat. Well, probably want something a little bigger than cats now. Children. Children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> More children. A, he- a whole deer. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's not safe anymore. <laughs> so Lucas uh, finally gets his radio back from his sister because, yeah, okay, and contacts Dustin. Uh, he tells he tells Lucas to meet them at the junkyard. Uh, Lucas stops by Max's house. She answers the door, and, of course, you know, she's alarmed because – Who's in the living room smoking while he's lifting weights? Super douche bags. Supreme. Super douche, you're right. Super douche supreme. Did you uh, know he's yeah. um like I, I I just I just read this that he's based on Randall Flagg. You like what? from from the Dark Tower that they wanted what? him to look like Randall Flagg. They wanted him to kind of be like that. But he doesn't <laughs> like at all. Did you read the stand? No. He's exactly what that character is in the stand. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then yeah, damn. <laughs> like, it's 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 pretty spot on, pretty spot on. Oh, then I'm kind of interested now. <laughs> like, if you're gonna look like a Stephen King character, especially probably the most interesting I mean, Stephen King character, I'm on board. This is already like a Stephen King, Stephen right? King. Mashup, but I, so I, many I just I had just read that the other day and I was like, oh yeah, I guess yeah, a lot. Now I have to read it, even though it's like the longest Stephen King book. It's excluding it's, the last Dark Tower book. It, it is it's it's better than any of the Dark Tower books. Good. I like I love the Dark Tower books, so I've always wanted to read the Sam. I'm just like, damn, that book is big. <laughs> well worth it. That your is time. gonna take up a long time. That's why audiobooks are fantastic. There you Just go. Yeah. Long yeah, drive. Okay. This, this so, has been sponsored by Audible. Sponsored by Audible. <laughs> totally uh, not sponsored by Audible. I wish. Um, okay. But they want so, to. 
So uh, she, Max answers the door. She's alarmed because of her brother. So she tries to play it off like uh, a Mormon has stopped by. <laughs> Talking of um, Mormons. So she manages to kind of slip away. She goes to her room and she climbs out the window, hops on Lucas's bike, and they head off towards the junkyard. So, oh my god, I just looked up the the running time of the audiobook for the stand. It's 48 hours long. <laughs> yeah. It's oh a long my one. god. It's a long one. Well, well I, had to, I had to say that because like I think the longest one I have in my audio collection is 15 hours and that's Ready Player One. So damn. <laughs> that's 48 hours of joy brought to you by Audible. Audible, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> our audible recommendation for this weekend sorry sorry but, Mike. but but by the way we're not being we're not being sponsored by audible so no no we're not not but if they would like to yeah <laughs> yes, if you would like to sponsor us please shoot me an email you know what send your email to uh well which email should they send it to freaking geeks there you go send it to make it out to cash and let us know <laughs> Make up, make, and they just tuned out. Oh, oh, shit. Make, a, make the check out to who? What? Um, Cash. <laughs> to Canada. Uh, okay, so, uh, so Dustin and Steve are walking along the, the train tracks. And uh, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty great scene. I love it. But we have a clip for it. So here it is. All right, so let me get this straight. You kept something you knew was probably dangerous in order to impress a girl who, who you just met? All right, that's grossly oversimplifying things. I mean, why would a girl like some nasty slug anyway? An interdimensional slug because it's awesome? Well, even if she thought it was cool, which she didn't, I, I just, I don't know, I just feel like you're trying way too hard, man. Well, not everyone can have your perfect hair, all right? It's not about the hair, man. The key with girls is just, just acting like you don't care. Even if you do? Yeah, exactly. It drives them nuts. Then what? You just wait until, uh... Until you feel it. Feel what? It's like before it's gonna storm, you know? You can't see it, but you can feel it. Like this, uh... Electricity? You know? Oh, like in the electromagnetic field when the clouds in the atmosphere. No, 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 no. Like a, like a, like a sexual electricity. Oh. You feel that, and then you make your move. So that's when you kiss her? No, whoa, 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 slow down, Romeo. Sorry. Sure, okay, some girls, yeah, they want you to be aggressive, you know, strong, hot and heavy, like a, I don't know, like a lion. Mm. But others, you gotta be slow. You gotta be stealthy, like uh, like a ninja. What type is Nancy? Nancy's different. She's different than the other girls. Yeah, she seems pretty special, I guess. Yeah, yeah, she is. But this girl's special too, you know? It's just like something about her. Whoa, 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 hey, hey, hey. What? You're not falling in love with this girl, are you? No, no. Okay, good. Don't. I won't. She's only gonna break your heart and you're way too young for that shit. Fabergé. What? It's Fabergé Organics. 
Use the shampoo and the conditioner, and when your hair is damp, it's not wet, okay, when it's damp. Damp. You do four puffs of the Farrah Fawcett spray. Farrah Fawcett spray? Yeah, Farrah Fawcett. You tell anyone I just told you that, and your ass is grass, you're dead, Henderson. You understand? Yep. Okay. Farrah Fawcett, really? She's hot. Okay. So this is a great scene. I, I love that it's in this moment where Steve finally like finds his true calling in life. Being a mentor and a babysitter at the same time. Or Daddy Steve. And divulging and also, his secrets of the hair, by the way. Yes. The thing everyone was obsessed with in season one, they also, of course, you know, break that barrier and have to put in something about his hair. It is it is magical. It is. It gets bigger, like, every single episode. They do some pretty so, amazing things with that hair in season one, specifically. I heard yep. it's a digital effect. I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. It's not really fully bald. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. It'd be a digital effect if George Lucas was the director. Sorry. Ooh, Just a dig. Sick burn. Jeez, cheap shot. Right? <laughs> like, not even a Star Wars movie, nothing. He's just like, fuck George Lucas. <laughs> it's, I did actually have a problem when they remade Stranger Things with freaking do-backs <laughs> in the background and shit. That was, that was bug- bumming me out. When the, the Demogorgons are now Ewoks. <laughs> Eleven shot first. Yep. Oh, yeah. 11 always shoots first. Heck, yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so they, they finally, well, they talk about some other things. You know, they share this conversation, as we saw in the clip there. But one of the things that I like is Steve trying to talk to Dustin about girls. You know. It's pretty cute. Yeah. It was. Uh, just, and I like just, that he's super real with Dustin, too. He straight out talks about, you know, the the feelings and if there's sexuality in the air. And like, he's not treating Dustin like a little kid. He's kind of talking like man to man. And I like that. I think, I think people, I mean, I, granted, I was born in 82, so I can't, you know, say much. But I always, it always struck me like if you went back to like the, the 70s, and the 80s I felt like people just didn't censor themselves as much when it came to this kind of thing you know like I don't think people censor themselves that much with it now I guess <laughs> I, 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 I took it more as like which is like they're not as far away in age as you would really as you really think and I remember like you know like because I have a Mike can attest to this. I have a shit ton of cousins. Yes, and yes. that's how you talked. That that's that's how they talked to you. Like even if it was that like I guess what six year age different. No, not not even like four or five year age difference there. Yeah, it, it really isn't as as significant as like you think it was. So I think it's I think it's actually a very very natural scene, and um, I think it's very realistic and it's well delivered. And those actors are really just just nailing it yeah i think they enjoyed like hanging out together i think I, I it looked like they enjoyed hanging out together i can't speak for them because i wasn't there i wasn't invited well, 
Steve right. hasn't been caught with cocaine, so he's probably the better choice. <laughs> yeah, says you. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a twelve-year-old, is probably the better choice. If you're they're, around Steve's age, then hey, sure. They're, they're child actors. They should arrest them for not having cocaine. That's true. You got to Drew Barrymore it up. All right. So this whole thing goes on. It's pretty awesome. Very cute. Uh, they eventually get to the train tracks. Uh, Lucas shows up with Max, and he and Dustin talk things out. And they kind of have a little, like, eh, truce. We're good, we're good, right? I, yeah. And so they get things back on track. And Steve butts in and says, you know, why is some random girl the only person to help me out here? Which <laughs> right. I thought was great. <laughs> like, uh, kind of leaning on the fourth wall a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's. Because we like, were all kind of thinking that too. Like, man, they don't know each other at all. Right, they don't. Like, he's like, who is this girl? I've never met her before, but she's the only one doing actual work here. You guys, stop your chit-chat. Get over here. Uh, so after this, they get the whole thing set up, right? They they kind of barricade themselves into the bus. And Max and Lucas, they, they share a moment. Um, yeah, they share some of their paths with each other. Right. They they talk about where they came from, specifically Max does. She tells uh, Lucas why she came to Hawkins, that her parents got divorced, and, and Billy is just pissed all the time. Um, but why do I why do I feel like there's more to this story? You know? Like, I feel like there's more to this story than we're currently getting. Her um, brother is so... How do I put this delicately? He has rapey eyes. <laughs> That's as <laughs> delicate as I can put it. And I just feel like there's way more abuse that's happening. But I, I can't imagine them ever going down that route on Stranger Things. But that's what I get from him, is that he is the guy that's going... He'll be Ted Bundy, <laughs> you know, kidnapping like college women and whatever. <laughs> that's where he's going. I, I think, um, and granted, this is for, maybe this is better for some point in the next few episodes, but I'll just say it now. I, I feel like they're, because it feels so weird to even bring this up, but I, I almost feel like there's a possessiveness by Billy regarding Max. Very. Do, do you guys get that feeling as well? Like, She's so he's so adamant about her not like not Having even friends. Lucas, who obviously he's racist and right. Um, but even the other kids and stuff, it's like he is so up on keeping tabs on where she's at, who she's, you know, being befriending. I, I think that's more his dad, especially when you see later on. Okay. I think that's more his dad constantly harping on him looking after and stuff. And I think that's where the resentment does. I don't think there's too much to read into. And I read a, an interview they had and they said that Billy exists because, because Steve ended up being too likable. <laughs> Is that, that so was more a really douchey character. They, they said that that's what they wanted for the character of Steve, but every, you know, the actor was so likable and everybody, you know, they, so they did different things with him. And so they brought him in to just kind of have another, um, another like, teenager villain 
okay to be a dick um i don't think there's that much more to him and i think that's kind of what makes it work i i like that he's just he's just a total unrepentant asshole and also if we go back to kind of the stephen king homage thing uh the the one-dimensional psychopathic bully is kind of a Stephen King trope at this point. Yeah, it really is. So I, th- I think they're just kind of trying to do that. Or uh, he's a little, he's a, I guess a little bit Henry Bowers. I, I, I don't mind them. I don't mind them if they gave him like a backstory, but I would not want them to change the person he is now. Like make him likable? No way. Keep him somebody to hate. Somebody who's just a little bit of a psychopath. Like, keep that keep that element in here. I feel like we gave him a backstory. They gave him adequate reason, and I, I, I think giving any more to that character would would make it worse. Yeah, probably. Better just to keep him as he is and keep the yeah, mystery. Not everything needs errata. Not everything needs... Not everyone needs their fu- their own Star Wars Legends prequel. That's, true. Uh, book. that's a whole he other doesn't can need of a solo spinoff yeah right i was i mean yeah that on top of it it's just like sometimes less is more yeah yeah sometimes it works keeping some mystery that element of i don't know like the dangerous teenager in there <laughs> i think he's uh a lot of the fan base i think greatly overanalyzes him <laughs> oh yeah Right. I've seen some. Tumblr. Well, I think I think the reason why, and I know this is probably something to jump into later, but I just, I think a lot of it comes down to, given how good the Duffers have been so far on this show regarding the characters, and, and I mean Brenner was, was I, I mean I guess Brenner was kind of one dimensional, but he was effective and. I guess you could argue that here, but by and large, most of the characters on this show, from the the really big to the small, have come across in a in a pretty three dimensional way. And I, I to a lot of people, I think Billy is just so one note, and we don't know enough about him and the reasons why he is the way. We do get some answers, but I I I have to disagree. Okay, because I can bullet point it for you. Quasi abusive father and divorce. That's it. That's I mean, that's really all you need for a character like that. Going uh, going too much into it and doing that gets a bit would be kind of soap opera. At that point, yeah, like he's there to be a side character. It's it's like the obsession people had with with freaking Barb, and you know how it blew up into this thing. It's like it doesn't need that that much. They ended up addressing that very well but um and sometimes i think i think uh especially with the dawn of the internet and stuff and the fan bases get like this which i realize i'm saying this on a fan that we do because we love it and love to love to you know talk and obsess over these things is i feel like sometimes like people look too much for where there doesn't need to be much more i think he's just a shithead and he's that way because his dad's an abusive asshole and he's and and he's dealing with divorce and doing it in a very 80s movie cliche way yeah speaking of people like looking for things that aren't there in barb uh in the very um the last episode somebody on tumblr posted a picture from the snowball 
And like in the background, way, way in the background, there's a really tall redhead in like a really old fashioned, you know, super 80s blue dress. And they're like, it's Barb. She's alive and she'll come back. And I'm like, you kidding me? I like, hope just get I, over it. <laughs> I hope they are being like kind of ironic and poking right? fun at it. <laughs> I just, it, it looked so sincere, and then they had people below being like, oh my god, it's so her. I'm like, are you kidding me? Just let the dead horse die. Like, holy god. Yeah, well, you can't please everybody, unfortunately. It's true. <laughs> and a lot of shows die when they start trying to cater to their fan bases. Yes. Yeah. Like, shut up and watch the damn show. Are, are you a writer? No. If you're a writer, go write your own damn thing. These guys, these guys get paid to do this. Apparently, you liked it enough. Let them write. Yeah. Right. I'm sorry. I, I get like that with Harry Potter too. I apologize. No, no, no. <laughs> it's I totally get it. Um. Okay. So, after this whole thing between uh, Lucas and Max sharing this really you know nice moment between the two where they kind of connect and and bond, um, Steve goes out to face Dart. Right, so he grabs the trusty bat, only to go out and find that there are far more demodogs than he thought there were. He thought there was just gonna be dart, but now there's more. He manages to get back to the bus just in time, um, as the dogs attack. And it's pretty bad because it looks like things are going from bad to worse. In fact, you get to the one point here at the very end of the scene, or towards the end of the scene, where it looks like they might really be done for. But then all of a sudden something happens uh, and they just start fleeing, you know, and they can't figure out why they're running, but they're running to one location. Of course, that will be the Hawkins laboratory and why, because that they've got to be the demodogs, of course, which are going to go down and kill all of the soldiers beneath um, Hawkins. Yeah, a bigger dinner has been served. Oh Yeah. So, delicious, delicious humans. <laughs> the last scene that we see in this show for this episode is that after they kill the soldiers, they come up through the tunnels right where they've been doing all those burns. And also it's where um, Hopper and uh, Paul Reiser's character, I can't think of his name, Dr. Owens. Uh, Owens? Is yeah. it Dr. Owens? Yeah. Where they go down and you see, you know, how big the, the gash is. Um, so the, the Demodogs come up and boom, cuts to black. So obviously things are not looking good for Hopper and everybody else there. Now they're doomed. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, I, I think this is really good episode. I enjoy it a lot. I agree, Sarah. There's a lot of really wonderful moments here and i think the pacing works very well in this episode and now that all the characters are kind of coming together it allows it allows the the writers i think to have a lot of fun with the dynamics of the group and also they don't have to go and shoot everybody in their own separate storylines and and find a way to kind of pull them you know, together for the episode. Now that a lot of these characters are together, it makes it makes things so much easier. You know, like I said, you have only a few groups of people in this episode. So each storyline involves 
everybody in that group and it it really helps streamline the episode and makes it more effective i think the, the first time i ever saw anything done like that it so this is what always reminds me of is the uh like the first season of uh heroes on nbc mm-hmm. where it's that slow burn to get to um your characters finally you know finally all being around one another finally inter- interacting and just that thrill of like we're gonna get a team up we're gonna get it it's gonna it's it's gonna get there and it's um it's just it's it's, it's a good feeling and yeah um i actually watched the first six episodes of this season kind of blend together for me as one giant super episode and then it gets broken up by the next one which is like this really shitty intermission and then the last (laughs) two are kind of like on their own so this felt you know like like i said how it felt like a like a penultimate episode like finale. there's a scope to it there's this great build-up and you're not even to the climax of it yet and like like it it gets it it gets even better and that's um that's something amazing about this show is they with with a one episode exception they have their pacing just down yes yeah like totally even when things are rushed it's kind of like all right i get it you know we're making up for lost time like the like i said the the nancy jonathan thing felt a little fast for me but it worked We'll take it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, just, exactly. No, no. I think I, that the the brothers observe it. They know how to craft an episode. Um, the brothers Duff. The brothers Duff. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. So let's. Um. I guess we'll just do wrap up thoughts here and our grade. Uh, Mike, you were doing pretty well there with your wrap up thoughts. So why don't you you continue and give us your your grade for the episode? Oh, thank you, sir. Um. I think this episode for me gets a solid A. It, like I said, uh, it's building to a great crescendo. That like last scene of all the demo dogs uh, flooding the, flooding the uh, the lab. I almost called it science building, which which is dumb. <laughs> but the uh, is just it's so it's memorable. It's iconic. It's actually. Um, my, we'll see when you get to the next episode, it's actually a part that almost redeems the next episode a little bit for me because there's a really cool use of that scene here. Okay. Um, and I like it. I, I, it's pretty solid, even with, even with creepy Murray, who I even kind of like. Oh my, how can you like, he may be a creep. He may have bodies in the floorboards, but he's still so likable. He is. All right, Sarah, you're up next. All right. So yeah, I've kind of raved a bit about this episode and even just talking about more about it. Just makes me love it even more. Uh, It's definitely one of my favorite episodes of both seasons. It's definitely my favorite episode of this season. Um, The acting is great. The stories um, finally coming together and, you know, stuff that's been building up finally, like taking like into fruition actually happening. Love it. Um, and some just wonderful moments. And even like the small stuff, like uh, there's a really small scene with Hopper in his truck sending a message to Elle. And he's um, playing with his daughter's hair braid um, that he always has on his wrist. Oh, and yeah. that it keeps popping up in certain episodes. 
And, like, I love, love that attention to detail, that he still has that. You know, they're still paying attention to keep it in episodes. So great. Um, yeah, this episode, it's my favorite of the season, so it gets an A-plus from me. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, this is a really good episode. I think, like I said, the pacing is excellent here. Um, I love that the characters are kind of all coming together, but right now they're in separate groups, but there's no only there's only a few groups of people. Um, and Eleven really isn't in this episode much, if, well, maybe not at all, actually. No, um, we only see her listening to the radio. Right. Um, but she's not, like, there, but with her mind, she's listening to it. So there isn't a whole lot, you know, here for Eleven, but everybody else has these pretty big storylines and very effective ones at that. You know, seeing Dustin and uh, uh, Steve together and watching that kind of, that relationship kind of blossom and, and really grow is great. You know, he's kind of like a big brother. Uh, but everybody else, very effective. Uh, Noah Schnapp, of course, great job in this episode as he's done all season. But everybody really... Um, did wonderful here. And I like the storyline and I feel like the pacing was, was really good. Um, I didn't, I don't love, I, I love Murray, but I didn't quite love the Jonathan Nancy thing and how that played out. And the all knowing uh, uh, yeah, a little bit of an issue with that. So I'm going to give this an a minus. So we'll go with that. A little bit of room for improvement, but still commendable. Still. Yeah. <laughs> It, it's an A minus. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> I will say, looking on IMDb, this throughout the first couple episodes, it's like been from like eight point eight and slowly building up to this episode being a nine point two, and then next episode it's going to be a six point two. <laughs> who, who gave it that highest score? <laughs> right, I'm like that's I, I'm pretty generous. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, I I did this all in one binge, and <laughs> we're going to be bastards next episode. <laughs> I, I generally am. I, I'm, I'm, I'm grumpier. Oh, I'm so with you. But <laughs> I will make fun of all their haircuts through the entire episode. Um, <sighs> it's it's actually funny just going off what you said, Mike. A lot of what people loved about this season can be found can be kind of traced back to this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, so that's it for this episode. Um, we'll see you guys next week for episode seven, the the infamous episode seven. We will Never break that. Even called? Uh, Eleven shitty Chicago adventures. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pretty well, we'll, uh, we'll break that down for you next week and uh, get into more detail about the things we liked and the things we didn't like about that episode. And until then, have a good one, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Stranger Things Podcast by Freaking Geeks Media. Have a good week. Bye, Bye strangers. <laughs> <laughs>